Welcome to Knickknack News. I'm Alex. And I'm Anthony. And, and this, this is, is episode 50. 50. And my first story is science news. And also the story makes me mad. Ooh. Um, this, oh, is no. from, this is from The Guardian. Baby T-Rex goes on sale on eBay, sparking paleontologists' outcry. It's a real uh, skeleton? Like a real, yeah, an actual fossil. <gasps> um, so this is, last month, the fossil of an infant Tyrannosaurus Rex, potentially the only one in existence, went on sale on eBay for the buy it now price of $2.95 million. What? Um, the skeleton was, is estimated to be 68 million years old, was first discovered in 2013 on private land in Montana. It became the property of the man who discovered it, uh, Alan Detrick, a professional fossil hunter, which is apparently a thing you can be. Uh, in 2017, Detrick led, uh, lent the fossil to the University of Kansas Natural History Museum, where it was still on display when he made the surprise decision to put it up for auction. Um, so, yeah, uh, he's, like, trying to sell this. Um, <laughs> the only funny part of this story is the listing. <laughs> Which I'm okay. going to I'm going to attempt to read so that you can see where all the capital letters are. Okay. Most likely the only baby T-Rex in the world. It has a 15-foot long body and a 20-inch skull with serrated teeth. <laughs> this Rex was a very, very dangerous meat eater. It's a rare opportunity indeed to ever see a baby Rex. Dot dot dot. So, was that totally unlistenable? Like a... <laughs> <laughs> not totally unlistenable. So half the words are all caps. Half the words are all caps. Okay. Well, not half them. I tried. <laughs> some of them are just capitalized unnecessarily. Like okay, and then the, a lot of them are just all caps. And then yeah, I actually so... misread part of that. This Rex was a very a very dangerous meat eater. Hmm. Wait, this Rex was very a very dangerous meat eater. <laughs> This is just a whole, this is a huge mess. Very, a very dangerous meat eater. Okay, so now back to why we should be mad. Um, analysis of the skeleton may help to settle a major debate in paleontology over whether small tyrannosaurs from North America are, are infants or should have the separate classification of nanotyrannus. Like, they might actually be a different species. Oh. Um, hmm. Genus, species. I do not know. I don't either. Um, such research may now be possible in, or may now be impossible with the fossil likely to end up in a private collection. Um, the Society of Vertebrate Paleontology, or SVP, has criticized both Detrick, who will be taking an important specimen outside the reach of scientific study, and the university for helping to inflate the price of the fossil by displaying it before it had a chance to be researched, potentially increasing its commercial value. They said, like, because the university displayed it before they actually researched it. People saw it, and, like, it's now known, and they think that might have been responsible for the high price. Hmm. Um, the, the University of Kansas has subsequently said they were unaware of the plans to put the skeleton up for auction and have removed the exhibit and asked uh, Detrick to remove any mention of the university from the listing. Hmm. Um, but all that to say, it's still up for sale, and I'm pretty mad because this seems like a really... This seems like a missed opportunity. So... Just to play devil's advocate, mm -hmm. 
if someone buys some rich person buys this thing and then it's in that person's private collection, couldn't scientists still request to like borrow it to use for research purposes? Sure. Like if, if the person allows that, I mean, I think it's the same kind of idea as somebody buying like art that's, and then keeping it in their personal collection. Versus like donating it or putting it on loan in a museum or something like that. Exactly. Okay. So, so it's not like it's like, being it's, destroyed or something. Right, it's no, just it's like not you be shouldn't destroyed. have done, you should have gone through like a different channel because yeah, this is a really like important donate specimen. Donate it to a museum or yeah. like, or at least like donate donate it to a museum on the condition that you'll get it back and then you can sell it or something like yeah, that. Yeah, or something. Like do something just to help for like to, to advancement like of care, science. <laughs> to act like you care about the research that will happen yeah. with this thing. Because really this makes it seem like that person just doesn't care at all about that and just wants to which is so make weird because if you're going to be a professional fossil hunter like are, who's who's in that for the money that can't be yeah like I, I don't know that can't be you can't be finding well, things that are making you a ton of money maybe like that's part of the prop maybe this person yeah. is just like whoa i finally <laughs> found something that could make me money i'm gonna like run with this instead of like do what i'm supposed to do i don't know yeah yeah it's, it's kind of sad i just it's like kind of bums uh, me out yeah okay my first story is a food news And this is from the BBC. The headline is coffee, not essential for life. Swiss government says <laughs> I basically did, just picked this for the headline. <laughs> did we not know that? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I think it's pretty essential for my life. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't drink. I don't <laughs> drink it. So I hope it's not essential for life. Okay. So you'll see the context. So, the Swiss government wants to put an end to its emergency stockpile of coffee after declaring that it is, quote, not essential for human survival. <laughs> Switzerland began storing emergency reserves of coffee between World War I and World War II in preparation for potential shortages. It continued in subsequent decades to combat shortages or potential shortages sparked by war, natural disasters, or epidemics. Switzerland now hopes to end the practice by late 2022. The government says coffee is, quote, not essential for life, end quote, so it doesn't need to be included in emergency reserves. So they're just saying, like, they stockpile food and, like, supplies and stuff, and coffee's mm. part of that, and they're just saying, like, we don't need we to don't include need this. this. <laughs> um, the Federal Office for National Economic Supply also said this, quote, coffee contains almost no calories and therefore <laughs> does not contribute from the physiological perspective to safeguarding nutrition. Okay, can't yeah. really argue I mean, with that. <laughs> I feel like they're just saying the same thing in a fancier yeah. <laughs> way. <laughs> the plan has now been released for public comment with a final decision expected in November. Not everyone is happy about it. Uh, the Swiss are big fans of coffee, consuming about 20 pounds per person per year, according to the International Coffee Organization. Wow. Uh, and as a side note, I went and did a little side research, and I found some cool graphs online that are using data from the International Coffee Organization, which apparently does like surveys about coffee consumption and markets and stuff every year. Mm -hmm. And it, show, it shows the top 10 coffee consuming countries ranked by kilograms per person consumed like per year. And Switzerland is number three. And guess where the U.S. is on this list? I feel like it's not number one. It's not number one. Or two. It's not number two. Four. Lower. Five. It's number eight. Wow. I know. Isn't that lower? That's much lower than think? I would have expected. That's what I, I thought it would be up in the top five, but no. Is that per capita or like gross? I think it's per capita. Okay. Wow. But no, it can't be gross because the U.S. would totally be number one if it was gross. 
Yeah, that's what I. That's why. I've, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, so it's per capita. Yeah. Okay. So that's still the that number one country low. is Finland. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting. Yeah, it's Finland, Sweden, and Switzerland are the top three. It's Finnish people so. and their coffee. <laughs> Those nor, nor, like, the northern European people in their coffee. <laughs> yeah, and then and then it's the other Europeans, Germany, France, and Italy, followed by Brazil, which makes sense, and then the United States. Wow. That's Isn't that crazy. fascinating? Okay, I also, just for fun, have this graph that's a similar graph, except it's showing cities in the U.S. Okay. And which ones of those consume the most coffee? All right. And guess which one's number one on that list? New York City. That's number two. Okay. Uh, Boston. That's not on the list. Huh. Okay. I uh, guess they prefer tea. Um, eh. Eh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Los Angeles? That's also not even on the list. Wow. I'm really striking it's out here. Seattle. Okay, that makes sense. Because of, like, Seattle's yeah. best, yeah, I think. That, no, that, and actually, Starbucks started there, too, I think. Oh, uh, okay. In Seattle. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes complete sense. Um, But yeah, Boston isn't even on here. That's, I actually was surprised by that, too. That's surprising to me, yeah. And then, guess what number four is? Pittsburgh. Hmm. Isn't that random? That is random. I thought this was interesting, too. I don't know. Yeah. I, I also just love coffee, so I'm like, whoa, where's coffee? See, I love is? rankings. <laughs> there we go. It's perfect for both of us. <laughs> My next story is also food news. Guess what we haven't had in a while? What? A recall. <gasps> Wait, why am I excited about that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, this... Okay, uh, if you haven't been listening to our show, it's because we used to just have like a recall every episode. And now Pretty it's like, much, yeah. oh yeah, it's our tradition it's to report recalls. Not because I like recalls. Yeah. Just wanted to clarify that. Okay. okay. Just, yeah, that's good to know. Uh, this is from CNN. Uh, Chewy Chips Ahoy cookies recalled due to, quote, unexpected solidified ingredient. <laughs> what? Okay, that one's pretty obscure. I really liked that headline. Uh, Mondelez? <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's apparently a big food company. But Mondelez Global LLC is recalling 13-ounce packages of Chewy Chips Ahoy cookies due to an unexpected solidified ingredient, the company said. Um, in some instances, the cornstarch in our chewy Chips Ahoy recipe did not fully incorporate in the mixing procedure and solidified in the baking process. Company representative Elizabeth Wenner wrote in an email. Which, okay. That sounds kind of gross. Um, Mendel has said the recall extends throughout the country and pertains to chewy Chips Ahoy cookies with a best when used by date of September 7th, 8th, 14th, and 15th. And there are more details in the article if you're worried about your cookies. Um, According to Wenner, the vast majority of consumers have not reported adverse effects with respect to the product in the four code dates recalled. However, a small number of consumers have reported gagging, choking, or dental injury, but none of the reports have been confirmed at this time. I just like that really gagging. Wanna, yeah, I just really want to make, make a joke about, like, are we sure that wasn't just consumers of the regular cookies? <laughs> Sick burn on Chips Ahoy, <laughs> which, to be fair, are the worst like re, like chips ahoy big chewy? cookies it just chips ahoy in general are just like not good. chips ahoy are just not good this episode not brought to you by chips ahoy Ever. i will say i used to be okay with the chewy variety the chewy ones are fine like they're but okay. there's so many better options i know and they just when you go back to it like after it's you haven't just, had it for a while you're just like this tastes like chemicals once you've had anything else there's no going back. yeah yeah just i can't um 
but yeah, apparently gagging is enough to get something recalled. Uh, no other Chips Ahoy products are affected by the recall, so you don't have to worry if for some reason you accidentally bought some other Chips Ahoy products. All right, my next story is space news. This is from The Verge. And the headline is, Why NASA Wants You to Point Your Smartphone at Trees. NASA would like you to take a picture of a tree. (laughs) (laughs) The space agencies... (laughs) I-C-E-S-A-T dash 2 satellite which I will now call ISAT-2 satellite estimates the height of trees from space and NASA has created a new tool for citizen scientists that can help check those measurements from the ground Okay. all it takes is a smartphone, the app an optional tape measure and a tree launched in September of 2018 the ISAT-2 satellite carries an instrument called ATLAS, which I think is an acronym for something, that shoots 60,000 pulses of light at the Earth's surface every second as it orbits the planet. Okay. Um, By measuring the satellite's position, the angle, and how long it takes for those laser beams to bounce back from the surface, scientists can measure the elevation of sea ice, land ice, the ocean, water, and trees, and other, like, land features. Knowing how tall trees are can help researchers estimate the health of the world's forests and the amount of carbon dioxide that they can soak up. Hmm. So NASA wants citizens to help verify the measurements. So you can do this by downloading this app, which I did. Okay. Um, and it's actually really cool because this isn't the first, this is like a new module that they just added, but there were other things in this app too. And the app's called NASA Globe Observer. And so one of the things is that you can look at the clouds in your area and like report the cloud cover and like what type of clouds there are and stuff. And, like, as satellites are coming over, they'll, like, check their data against, like, what the people are reporting. Oh, weird. Okay. Um, so the, it's kind of the same thing for the tree module. So you go into it, and it gives you these instructions on how to, like, take a photo from a certain angle of a tree and then, like, do that tr- height triangulation thing where you, like, walk to the base of it. and te- uh-huh. You tell it, like, how many steps you walked to the base of the tree, and it calculates the height. And then it knows, like, where you are, like, your GPS location. And you can, like, submit it to their database, and it'll, like, use the data that people enter to like check the satellite calculations. That's so cool. I thought it was cool. That's really yeah. cool. Does it, does it like tell you go to this tree or does it work with just no. any arbitrary tree? I think it works with any tree that like, as long as it's like straight up and it's not like bent over or broken or something weird about it. Like, sure. and as long as you can see the top of it, okay. they said like in the picture, basically, like if it's so tall that you can't even like see it in the photo, it won't work. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought that was cool. And then also in the app, you can click a link to be like, see the see what people are reporting and it brings you to this website and you can see like where around the whole world people are like reporting data on a given day oh wow so you can like actually click this link and it will be like oh someone in you know southern ohio is reporting their cloud coverage today like that that kind of stuff it's really cool that sounds that sounds neat i'm gonna have to download this yeah, I think you would. I don't. I mean, I don't know if I'm actually going to do it because you actually have to be confident about certain scientific terms. Like, so okay, so the different modules. So there's the cloud one I mentioned. Uh-huh. You have to know like types of clouds. Like it asks you like, like cumulo, are these like cum- yeah like what are the clouds you're seeing? And, uh, uh, cumulus, cumulonimbus, cirrus, and stratus. Stratus clouds yeah. are the ones that I know. But I don't know if there's other types. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, and then one of the modules is like this like land mapping thing where you can like tell it like what types of trees and like land features are in your area. So you take this like panoramic photo and you tell it like 
there are deciduous trees here or something. And you like tell it like what it is. And it said like each like picture area or whatever is like one pixel on their like satellite maps. So you can like, Whoa. oh, I'll map this pixel of the world like for the satellites. Isn't oh, that cool? That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So this is such a cool app. Apparently it's been around for a while. So they just added the tree module to it now. So all right. apparently they're going to keep adding stuff, I guess. I'm going to go add my backyard to it. Do it. I will. Okay. Science. <laughs> uh, third story I brought is health news. This is from the New York Post. Proposed sugar label could save $31 billion in healthcare costs. A sugar label? Have you heard about this? No. Um, the Food and Drug Administration announced in 2016 that manufacturers would soon be required to, to disclose the added sugar amount on their nutrition labels. Um, and researchers at Tufts University set out to identify the provision's potential impact on the overall overall health of American consumers. So they're going to sort of how you have to say how many trans fats are in something. Mm-hmm. They're going to add um, a label that says how much sugar was added to this product. Um, I think separated out from just like the the sugars, like oh, added so sugars there's like an to, added sugar versus naturally occurring right. sugar. Gotcha. Okay. Um, And the mathematical model they used showed a significant decrease in cardiovascular disease and type 2 diabetes cases over the next 20 years, uh, according to results published Monday in the American Heart Association's journal Circulation, which is a great name for a medical journal (laughs) about heart stuff. Yeah. It's like a double pun. It's like a journal in circulation. Yeah. And it's also about your heart. I didn't realize that. That's so good. That is a great name. Okay. while we're on the topic of journal names, wait yes. till you hear the journal name in my next story. I'm really excited. Okay, get ready. <laughs> okay, I'm bracing myself. <laughs> uh, Americans get more than 300 calories of added sugar a day. Um, I'm guessing that's on average. I'm sure some people yeah. get much more. Um, with the largest single source being sugary drinks, followed by desserts such as cookies, ice cream, and candy. No surprises in that yep. list. Uh, The purpose of our study was to estimate the impact of the FDA's added sugars label on reducing sugar intake and preventing diabetes and cardiovascular disease, says Dr. Renata Mika, a nutritionist and policy professor at Tufts. Uh, The researchers say that between 2018 and 2037, um, they included 2018, even though I don't think the labels are required yet, Hmm. or at least I haven't seen one, um, the label would prevent more than 350... 4,000 new cases of cardiovascular disease and 600,000 new cases of type 2 diabetes. And I don't know how they predict those numbers with that, like, level of accuracy. Okay, yeah. mm, So they're assuming that if people can see this information, they're less likely to consume those products. That's what it seems like they're assuming. And if there were that many fewer cases, that would translate to more than $31 billion in healthcare costs. Um, and I think part of what they're basing this on is when the FDA ordered trans fats to be more clearly labeled, um, many like many consumers started demanding like lower trans fats in their food. It made a difference in that, and a lot of food manufacturers mm. began reformulating their products to have fewer or no trans fats to meet new consumer demands. And I'm sure you've seen plenty of things that say like yeah. no trans fats. Yeah, and I, I have, have a feeling, and I, I think I've seen like no added sugar. I have seen that in too. Things, but yeah. I, I imagine something like this would lead to an increase in, in products. Yeah, I guess that's that. a good point. Um, yeah. So <laughs> the weird thing is, is they said if that kind of thing happens again with the added sugars label. So their first prediction was no change in the actual products other than labeling them. 
Uh-huh. They say they anticipate an even greater impact with as many as 700,000 fewer cases of heart disease and 1.2 million fewer diabetes diagnoses. Which, again, I don't really know how they're ma- like modeling those numbers, but I guess if they're basing it on like what yeah. happened with the trans fats label, maybe that made a difference and they're kind of modeling it off of that. Um, and that would I lead guess. to an estimated healthcare savings of, of over $57 billion over the next 20 years, hmm. which, I mean, I believe it would make a difference yeah i think it would i just it's kind of it's really hard to i'm sure this i'm sure the study itself actually has more information on what the actual yeah. model was and everything um and the model only evaluated health benefits and cost savings from diabetes and cardiovascular disease outcomes says um mika um, adding that the label mandate could have a positive impact on a variety of other health concerns so beyond those two categories which i imagine it would because added sugars are generally just pretty horrible for you Yes. Pretty much no benefit no real to benefit. that. Yeah, not to mention all like the dental chain, like savings and that kind of thing too. Mm-hmm. Okay, my next story is also health news. Wow. And this is from USA Today. A team of Israeli scientists have printed a heart with a patient's own cells in a world first. They 3D printed... Like a whole heart. Yeah. I mentioned later, it's not like a human sized, it's small, but still, they took actual real cellular material and printed a whole heart with the vasculature and everything. And like it's actual cells. Yeah. Wow. I know. That's amazing. Where have we just... We've talked about 3D printing body parts before like I skin I think so yeah but not like an organ like a whole organ like I don't think that's especially when it's complicated as the heart yeah like think start with the liver or something I don't know if the liver is less complicated but uh, I imagine it would be like the heart has all those like the liver's definitely bigger so I don't know if that matters but yeah so they took okay well anyway, let me read sorry, the details sorry I'm, just, no, you're I'm fine. jumping away you're ahead. fine so <laughs> past researchers have been able to print sample tissues like cardiac tissues without blood vessels according to the research team um, but this development was the first time anyone anywhere has successfully engineered and printed an entire heart complete with cells, blood vessels, ventricles, and chambers. The team reported their findings this past Monday in the journal, ready, Advanced Science. I'll see. Okay. <laughs> like, you what, built it up like it was going to be something, <laughs> something good. That's, that's just terrible. <laughs> it's just, it's just, Advanced what does it even science. mean? Like, it's so bland yeah change your journal name i don't know so much better ask them ask the american yeah maybe i built it up too much it just was like bland (laughs) it was funny to me i don't know um so the heart that they printed is about the size of a rabbit's so obviously it's too small for a human but the process used to create it shows the potential for one day being able to to 3d print patches and maybe full heart transplants yeah and because the heart is made from the patient's own biological material it reduces the chance that the transplant would fail according to the research paper. Makes sense. However, the medical research is still a ways off from being able to transplant the 3D printed hearts into humans. Um, They said tests on animals will need to be done before any human trials, which is pretty standard. So it's still in its early stages, but they've successfully done it. What an incredible (laughs) first step, though. Yeah. Like, that's... uh, My mind is still blown. Like, just the complexity of printing an entire organ, even if it's not full size, like... I mean, scale, yeah. I mean, scaling it up will probably introduce some complications, mm-hmm. but at the same time, we know we can do That's, it at a smaller scale. It's Why? so amazing. At Why some not? point in the future, we, we will be able we'll to scale be able it. To it's like it. an inevitable thing. Like exactly. We've done it at this scale. We will be able to do it at a larger exactly. scale. 
Can you just imagine that? Like you can just can't. 3D print. I actually can't. Like, like that's just. Oh, I need a heart, heart transplant. Just 3D print a new heart for me, and I'll just get it like, transplanted. I mean, like that's amazing. Organ organ shortages are like a thing. It's it. Yeah. There's a reason. Like we, like people are encouraged to don- donate because it's it's so hard to find organs, much less ones that are a match for like right. any given person. Right. Being able to print it from your own material, like it's the ideal solution. Exactly. You don't even you don't need a donation. Right. You just make a new one. Yeah. That's insane. <laughs> it's it's so cool. I, I just like, we're so close. I mean, this, this to me, I know it's a very first step, but like, yeah, it's so close. It's to a being big a first step. I, I mean, like, like, I would have been impressed if they'd managed to print like a section of the heart even. But like an yeah, entire, they did the whole thing, the whole thing. Because like you mentioned patches, like I, that's probably yeah, something so that's even I'm more feasible in the near they, future. You know, in terms of like, you know, getting it through regulatory approval and all that stuff and actually getting into like a clinical use, mm-hmm. probably the patches method will be quicker yeah. to get there, you know, but like. And probably just as valid. I mean, still I can only imagine helpful. how many hearts could be saved just by fixing a I mean, part of them, right? Yeah, that's actually a good point. Like I haven't heard about that type. I mean, I don't think that's like a common surgery, but it could be. I mean, if you have a heart attack and part of your heart muscle is damaged, like maybe they can just like replace part of the muscle. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's. Not. I don't know. Yeah, if that's I, something that they do or not. I don't. I've not heard of that being done, but I think or it's just it's because they don't that could have be enabled with. They don't this just kind of have technology. heart muscle that they can just put. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. but maybe they would in this case. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I'm <laughs> just there's so many things. It's just it's just awesome. That's so. just really cool. All right, it's time for breaking news. The part of the show where Anthony and I look up stories that just happened today or were just posted today, and we read them to you on the fly. Ready, set, go! Go! I found this on VentureBeat. I've never heard of it, but it's fine. (laughs) Uh, Google Pixel Camera AI now looks for you to smile or kiss. What? (laughs) What? I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> you don't know how to process that information. Um, uh, Google detailed the machine learning out, uh, techniques underlying its camera app on uh, the Pixel 3 smartphone, and it announced a new feature, kiss detection, heading to the photo booth mode in the latest release. Um, so photo booth is apparently this app on Pixel, like the Pixel 3 smartphone, that can detect your face. Okay. And determines the best time to take a picture based on like whether you're smiling or like making like a kissy face or doing like stuff like uh, like posing in some way. Um, and it just like automatically takes a picture. And now they've added the ability to detect when like the moment that you kiss someone. Wait, so the app is looking dynamically at your posing and will just take the picture at like the best angle. Right. Or so you like set up the camera and then you just like, it's kind of like a photo booth and except instead Whoa. of being timed, like the AI determines the best time to take a picture. Does it work well? I mean, I, I haven't Maybe used it. It doesn't say that in there. It does, yeah. It doesn't say in the article. It works well. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't know it had that. That's such a cool feature. But yeah, they tackled it with AI models. They have, they specifically okay. have two models, one for facial expression detection and one for kissing. Specifically. Oh, okay. Uh, because I guess they're, cool. they're pretty different things to detect. The facial yeah. expression one uh, triggers on smiles, stuck out tongues, kissy faces, puffed out cheeks and reactions of surprise. <laughs> so they trained the model on existing images of those yeah, kind of things yeah, yeah um and the kiss detection one is just obviously trained on pe- pictures of people kissing okay um 
uh, there's a lot of, there's a surprising amount of detail in this article. Um, but it also detects things like closed eyes, talking or motion blur and like knows not to take pictures at those moments. Hmm. Um, and it, so it just like assigns a score to each frame that it detects and like determines if it would be a good picture. And because it's super fast, it's able to like do that in real time. (laughs) That's really cool. Sorry, so are people like, trying to like trick the algorithm yet? Or I, I, I think it just it just became available. Um, I, I don't know why, but I, just my mind is jumping to that now. Of like, hmm, I wonder if I hold up like a doll to my face, if it'll like trigger it. Like, like I, what if I like kiss a watermelon? <laughs> yeah, like, will it trigger? <laughs> I don't know why I would do that. But. <laughs> It's still, it's really cool idea though. Just like even taking like a selfie or something, if it can detect when you're smiling, your eyes aren't closed. That sounds pretty cool. I'd like to try it. I'd like to try it too. I don't, I don't have access to a pixel three. Neither do I. Yeah. If you want to send us one, uh, you can't Uh, Google. Yeah. You can't because we don't, because we don't have a PO box or anything. (gasps) (laughs) Just email us if you want to send us a phone. Yeah. We'll we'll figure out a way. We'll arrange a dead drop. We'll send you a, um, a longitude and latitude of a location. tree and just put it in that tree and just uh, and uh, put it in the tree and then we'll pick it up later. Yeah. Thanks so much. Okay. Well, my story is from a local Cleveland news station. And actually, this was sent to us by one of our listeners. Shout out to Ben. Thank you, Ben. Thank you. Um, so this is from WKYC.com. And the headline is... Man arrested in Painesville, Ohio, for trying to commit assault with an iguana. <laughs> Do you think there's a checkbox on the police report form for iguana? <laughs> now there will be. <laughs> police have arrested a man they say tried to commit assault using an iguana at a restaurant on Tuesday morning this week. According to officials, the 49-year-old entered the Perkins Restaurant and Bakery (laughs) around 11.45 a.m. and removed an iguana from under his shirt. Oh, no. He then apparently began swinging the lizard around over his head by its tail and then threw it at the store manager before fleeing. The suspect was later apprehended blocks away from the restaurant, and he's being charged with disorderly conduct, (laughs) resisting arrest, and animal cruelty. The iguana, named Copper by authorities, has been placed in the care of the Lake County Humane Society. So, so the, I think the, the iguana is okay. fine. I think the iguana and is okay. And I assume okay. everyone else there is also fine. And I'm assuming everyone else is fine. Yeah. That's... Because everyone's okay, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> he swung it around and threw an iguana at someone and then ran away. Like, Can't they, what? like... Drop their tails too to to get out of situations. Is that iguanas that do that? I, I mean, don't know. I know there's types of lizards. I don't know if yeah. iguanas are one of them. But well, it sounds like that didn't happen in this case, right? Because that could be very dangerous. They're swinging it around and it just like and then yeah <laughs> flies off in a random direction. Hold, still holding the tail. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. That's like I said, really funny because nobody got <laughs> because hurt. no one got hurt. So this is hilarious. This is real funny. <laughs> Yeah, so they're gonna have to add that checkbox to the police forms now, because you never know what's gonna happen. Never oh, know when a, someone will have an iguana as their weapon. Three cases of iguana attempted assault this week. It's uh, yeah, it's just it's a it's, it's been an a busy week. All right, that's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. 
We post episodes every Friday, and as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description. You can subscribe to Knickknack News on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever other app you'd like to use. And you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash knickknacknews and on Twitter at at knickknacknews. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. And, and this, this is, is episode 50. 50. That's yeah. fine. That's and good. then there's going to be air horns, obviously. Yeah, and then I'm going to put in air horns, and then you're just going to go, okay, in my first story, you're like, what? <laughs>